0: This episode is brought to you by The Island by Adrian McKinty, the international best-selling author of The Chain. So how far would you really go to protect your family? What would you really be capable of if your family was threatened? This mother and father are about to find out. Propulsive, terrifying and blade sharp. The Island is the next thrilling adventure from the mastermind behind the award-winning global sensation The Chain and a family story unlike any you've ever read. The Island will be released in Australia on the 24th of May, so pre-order today. I read this book in two days. It's compelling, page-turning and character-driven, and it's definitely one of my favourite reads this year. But be warned, once you start this book, you will not be able to put it down. Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V.
1: From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because... You put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show.
0: The podcast has over 35,000 listeners every month.
1: I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. You talk about all the things that I've been living with by myself for so long.
0: and I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm feeling
1: sick.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to another episode of Words and Nerds podcast, where we bring literary goodness wherever you are. Today, I welcome back John Purcell. John has written under a pseudonym a series of very successful novels, was the director of books at Booktopia and is now a full-time writer. Last time we spoke about The Amazing Girl on the Page, it was episode 55. And today we're going to talk about The Lessons. Welcome back, John. Thank you for having me. And not only welcome back to the podcast, but welcome back to the country. You've been overseas in the UK for two years now.
1: I have. I am. Um, I was the the bringer of of Boris Brexit and COVID.
0: Wow, you're a popular yeah, the,
1: man. Yeah, the country was completely fine until I turned up,
0: <laughs> and then the world the world was ruined yeah.
1: too. Oh, I mean, brand brand uh, what is that? Global Britain, as they call it. So. <laughs> Yeah, I went oh. to the, I went to the hub to spread my message.
0: <laughs> wow, I wouldn't be telling too many people about that job. What's it like to be
1: back? It's uh, a little little strange. A lot of change in Sydney. There's been a lot of um, new buildings and the like. But on the other hand, it just feels like home. Like mm. it's just weather's been. It's rubbish, like I've been away. It? Oh, was okay. that? Weather's been nice no, though. No, I got I got I brought the sun. Ah. I had, um, Wait, last, okay. last couple of weeks, the, weeks there have been some sunny days and Lovely. people are looking at me like I'm some sort of a sun god.
0: Okay, so when you go to the UK, you bring bad things and when you come to Australia, you bring good things.
1: I know, that, and they haven't got much sun to go around. so they're no, not they much, do not. Either.
0: They absolutely do not. Well, I was in Sydney, just got back from Brisbane and it was raining there. It was raining here when I left and I think it's raining here again. So I must just be bringing the rain everywhere
1: I go. Yeah, you're like the Adams family.
0: Excellent. Always wanted to be Morticia. Yeah. <laughs> Now, the lessons, I I loved Girl on the Page, so I was super excited when the lessons came out. But was there a bit of pressure? I mean, I know you've written under a pseudonym. I know those books are super successful, and we'll get to all that lusty stuff later, John. But um, um, the lessons, was there a bit of pressure to follow up Girl on the Page because it was so well-received and people loved it and it was really cool and dark and different? So was there pressure with this one or you just put it aside? Um.
1: There was a tiny bit of pressure at the beginning. My The, the first year, 2019, was the sort of the year that I was meant to get down and knuckle down and do, a, and do a book, but instead I decided to completely change my life, leave Booktopia, move overseas. You know. So that took up all my time and, and distracted me from the, the Damocles sword hanging over my head, which was a the book contract for another book. Um, and by the time that I actually settled down to write the lessons, COVID struck and the world was changed forever. So... All pressure was off. It just felt like the,
0: oh,
1: yeah, it, it felt like it was a, um, a free hit in a, a sense. A game
0: changer. Well, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, so oh. I, I, I settled down and did what I wanted to do. I didn't, I didn't even, like the, the publishers didn't even know what I was doing. I was just you know, typing away in, in a foreign country by myself looking out a window Visiting Tesco supermarket every once in a while, <laughs> walking around the country lanes and and scribbling like a madman. Wow!
0: Was... And to be fair, no one knew what they were doing during COVID. Still, yeah. don't know what we're yeah. doing. So you know, to be fair, that's true.
1: I think yeah. I think I think all of us have got a free hit. I mean, those two years should be struck from the record.
0: Yeah, I don't think we should age in those tears either. I'm I'm down with that. <laughs> now, Felicity McLean, author of the Van Upful Girls are gone, fantastic novel. She describes your book as brimming with love, lust, and lies. I read it in a single sitting. Best enjoyed with a martini. Is that the best review you could possibly get?
1: I was I was amazed, absolutely amazed. I mean, I think I think anyone who reads the, the section uh, set in the south of France in the in summer. Um, in the early 60s, uh, you know, during this period where we can't travel, I think that sort of really stands out in the novel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a mini little holiday that you mm-hmm. get given when you pick up the lessons because uh, it was for me. when I, mean, I was I was in uh, in England with, I mean, I can climb a hill near where I live. I can see France. I couldn't go wow. to France. Yeah, <laughs> I can see it across the channel, oh but I can't goodness. actually go there. So, <laughs> Uh, I was dreaming of France, and so that you know it made that come to life very much. I I, uh, I wrote those sections um, with uh, longing Mm. to to get down there myself. So anyone who reads those now will have a little bit of a mini holiday Mm. um, and grab some martini. Yeah, Yeah. is
0: martini your drink of choice when you were writing or reading this, or have you got another drink of choice?
1: I was. I'm definitely a a, sadly a beer man. I'm Mm -hmm. very um, yeah, Um, but I'm off now. I've given up. No, yeah. more, no more drink. Yeah, no more drink.
0: Well done. No well more. done for you. Yeah. I'm drinking kombucha, so I don't drink a whole lot either.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> I'm my vice.
0: No, kombucha is my vice, John. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Terrible stuff. <laughs> Terrible stuff. All right. Well, before we get started and go deep, deep dive into the book, hit us with an elevator pitch.
1: Oh, my God, you've done this to me. I um, know. Every time. Come on. Yeah, You're not new I know, I know. It's. it's it's a love story. My my elevator pitch is it's a love story. Um, and for those who are terrified of picking up something that I have written after reading The Girl on the Page, yeah, because of the the ending of The Girl on the Page, right. they can have more faith in this one um, that it, it won't smack them around a bit. Um, really, really, it's a love story about uh, uh, Daisy and 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 Harry. there, it's, it's um. They're head over heels and they're torn apart by their mother, by Daisy's mother and Daisy's aunt. And Daisy's aunt um, is a well known author who has um, uh, views of her own and likes to uh, involve herself in other people's lives, and then write about it. <laughs> so um, they're, they're, she's, she's pretty much the main um, problem, uh, the obstacle for Daisy and Harry in this, this book. And so it, it really is a love story with incredible. Obstacles that just keep coming. These two mm-hmm. poor lovers.
0: I love that. And what do you think about love? Do you think it's an unstoppable force, or do you think we can have some control over it?
1: I think I think it's unstoppable. I think I think it's one of those things that we always try to deny because it's a really complicated and messy thing, and it exposes us to all these problems and um, opens us up to another person in ways we don't want to because we we've got uh, we think we're terrible people, or we think we're Great people, whatever it happens to be, whatever your your theory of yourself, and love love opens all that up, and you have mm. to be you have to be open to someone, and that's terrifying, absolutely terrifying. So most people run from it, especially big love. Big love mm. is big love asks of you to give up your career and to 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 throw things away, to make decisions that hurt others. You know, big love is a really big ask for some people, yeah. and that's I think a lot of us it, it reject it, you know, because it's just too scary.
0: Jeez. Mm, I love that, John. I love the idea of an unstoppable force because I believe the same thing, and the big love, and whether we run towards it or run from it. That's really interesting, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. I and I, I think, I think it, it. I think when you discover it, you kind of recoil back and go, "Oh my God, this is going to change my life. Am I ready for mm. this kind? Of, and, and what it might ask of me? Because you really don't know." You really don't
0: know. No, you don't. You don't know. And it's always a risk, you know, so you may as well run towards it because it's always a risk. No matter what big love you're running to, there's no guarantees, which is kind of, you know, that's the romantic part. I think Oscar Wilde said um, uncertainty is romance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, keep, well, it keeps everything alive, you
0: know. <laughs> that's right. Where there's something deeply wrong with us as humans, isn't there?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think if, you, if you find, I mean, comfortable is great, and comfortable is, 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 is sort of a, uh, an area a lot of relationships hit, um, but it can also kill it. So mm. it's, it's, you know, that sense of the unknown and shaking things up a bit and, and testing each other, you know, that's a good part of a relationship
0: yeah absolutely absolutely that's really interesting we could talk about that forever john you could be my psychologist and we could just keep talking about this but we should talk about the book we might continue off air no just joking yeah. <laughs> now you just touched on girl on the page which i just want to trace back to a little bit now you're saying some people were a bit shocked at the ending did you get some flack for this
1: oh yeah oh you yeah tell well, me
0: tell me the goss
1: well one of the first things was was sarah at booktopia um my colleague at booktopia read it
0: sarah mcdewley um,
1: Yes, Sarah. Oh, we love
0: yep. you, Sarah, but tell me what she said.
1: Well she didn't she she expressed herself physically. Uh, she came in with, with 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 um with the desire to to knock me flat for, oh. for what for what I did to Helen. Um, Interesting. That, yeah, so she was she was that was that was one of the first um because she was in a safe place and she knew that you know, whatever she did, she couldn't really hurt me. I think Well,
0: you're also like six foot seven, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, so, so yeah. Very so very hard to reach.
1: Yeah. So um <laughs> Her physical expression was my first indication that I may have gone a bit far. Wow. Um, so there have been there've been reactions to, to that ending um, yeah. in reviews and the like, but a lot of people understand um, that what I was trying to get at and what seems to be lacking in this kind of really commercial world we're in is that there are still people out there who, whatever field they're in, um, have great integrity about what they're doing and they... Uh, and in, especially in arts, it's not about the money, it's not about the fame, it's mm. about the art. Mm. And uh, If you was you're about the it,
0: money, like, would any of us be doing it?
1: I know. I mean, really, <laughs> come on. <laughs> That's a really big indicator. If you're, in, if you're in the book industry for money, you're a bit nuts. Like you're, 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 you're nuttier than anyone else, um, and you're wrong. <laughs> but um, in the integrity side of things is so important, and the reaction of Helen at the end of that book to me, was a realization of what she'd given up. Yeah. Like there was, there were lots of different theories about why Helen does what she does. But my theory, uh, and my belief when I was writing it, was that she—it was kind of a, a sudden realization of that she'd break broken a contract with herself and with her husband about what art was, hmm. uh, and that's massive to people that live in that world. Like yeah. it's a big, big thing, um, and it's and it's, you know sadly it's disappearing. It's not as it's not as important anymore. People are quite happy to give themselves, sell themselves short. Um, but in Helen's world, it was it wasn't a small thing.
0: Mm. And look, when I read the book, I feel like that was the only ending. You know, when I read it, I was slightly traumatized, but I thought, no, no, this is this is definitely the ending that this needed. Otherwise, you know, the whole thing falls apart.
1: You yeah, know? that's what I thought too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> The whole story leading up to the integrity of art kind of falls apart <laughs> well we're on the same page anyway that's yeah, good i yeah, don't yeah, <laughs> know what yeah. this is about us john but anyway <laughs> now back to the lessons i love how we traverse 1960s 1980s i mean i love the 80s tell me what you learned about It wasn't around in the 60s but tell me about you know the research of the 60s you lived through the 80s did you enjoy this what did you find out tell me about going through those the re- decades
1: the research Um, kind of just tied on to a lot of things I'd already read about and and I'd spent a lot of time just in my own interest in that area um, reading about. Um, But my parents were young in that period. My um, um, wife's parents were young in that period. And I was living with um, my parents-in-law at the time in England. And I was kind of talking to them, trying to get um, as much as I could from their personal experience of, of life back then. But I was also reading a lot. Of um, general histories of the time and the period, just to refresh my mind. But I don't, I don't like. Um, I, I've always felt that when you're doing historical writing, that it should be old knowledge you have, and mm-hmm. so that it's lightly placed within the within the text. It's not uh, overtly there; it just happens to be there. So I never got the feeling that if um, one of the great writers was writing a, a period like George Eliot was writing period of the the reform year 30 years later she wasn't I mean she was definitely researched it but it was old knowledge just fell lightly on the page and um, I like that aspect and and I I trust in my mind to do the hard work in a in a in in its creative sense um, at the time of writing I feel when I'm writing I'm far more lucid and easy to move around the information I have in my head Ask me a question now about the 60s and I wouldn't be able to answer it. <laughs> when I'm in the writing mode, it'll come out naturally. And that's that's how I, I want it. So the research was definitely there and I was reading a lot of, at the time. And I was reading some really funny um, memoirs, uh, like really strange, watching strange YouTube videos, um, trying to get a, an idea of what it looked like, um, but then trying to forget it. You know, at the same time, I didn't yeah. want it to feel like someone who just Googled something.
0: Yeah, you didn't want it to feel like a documentary. It needed to be authentic coming through.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, I mean, I, later on I read, um, after finishing, I read uh, Edna O'Brien's um, book um, um, about, what was it called? It's about a trip this girl takes to the south of France. And it was just after I'd written mine. I was like, oh, cool. So I... I um, August is a wicked month, or something like that's called. Um, and I read that, and I I was so happy because um, how lightly she she deals with what's going on. She doesn't constantly make references to music or film to try and give the setting and that kind of stuff. And so I was quite happy having reading that one and realizing that I didn't need to go in so much detail. I, I when I read a book, a novel, especially a modern novel that's historical, and they almost go into a Wikipedia page for a bit and yeah. they come out of it. I'm like, bang, I can't, I can't cope.
0: And you don't need it, really. You, you need the need characters, it. you need the plot, you need the characters to be in this world. But, you know, yeah. I don't really need to know, you know, the exact was, things that are going yeah. on.
1: Who was the president of France? You know? Yeah. <laughs> no um, one cares.
0: I wouldn't have a clue. I probably wouldn't yeah. know the president of France now, to be honest. You no, know, no, So this is, this
1: is the thing. <laughs> That's what you've got to get into. Like with Jane Eyre, um, we know that it's the period that it's in because um, we follow Jane, but she's not commenting on all the, all the local politics. I mean, one of the things that, that, at university that I, I thought was really funny because they were talking about Jane Austen and how she doesn't refer to the Napoleonic War. I mean, why would her characters refer to that? Yeah, absolutely. But that's not the point. That's not the point. That was completely
0: horses. removed from any of that yeah. and they were just riding their horses and carriages and going to balls.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the men wouldn't have brought up those subjects very often no. in, the, in, in the women's um, um, presence. presence anyway. So Yeah. So I like, I like historical fiction done lightly.
0: Yeah. No, I, th- I agree with that. And to, to do that, to have, you know, any of Jane Austen's characters talking about that would be completely artificial and completely out of the context of what the women were doing and what the expectations of them were. Yeah. Hmm, it's really interesting. Now, this is a novel about painful lessons life has to teach us, but this is about ourselves, love, honesty, morality. Was this kind of how you went into the novel or you just wanted to talk about big love and all these things came after?
1: Yeah. Big love was my thing. I wanted to write a romance. I wanted to write, um, uh, I, I I initially years ago, I wrote this, um, story about this old man and I never got anywhere with it because I was in my twenties and, and old men were way, way away from me. Um, but I was looking at these old pieces of writing that I'd done and I was wondering about what he would be, been like as a young man. And so I started to write Harry, Harry just came. Um, and I wrote, I wrote the whole of Harry from beginning to end. Then I wrote um, Simon from beginning to end. Then I wrote Daisy from beginning to end. And only then did I put Jane over the top.
0: Wow. Was there much editing to go in the end to like mush them oh, yeah. all together? Oh, yeah. 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 yeah.
1: yeah. But a- I, I had I had a, I had a, I a kind of design in my head.
0: Okay.
1: Um, how the chapters would fall. But I wanted to give... a a force to each person's narrative as if they're telling just the one story as if it could just be one novel they're telling
0: but that's what life's like we each have our own stories and even though we might be interacting we've still got our own narratives which aren't necessarily the same narratives as the person we're interacting with right
1: yeah which is exactly what I wanted I wanted I I wanted people to be obsessed with their own existence and their (laughs) own thing yeah which is true (laughs) our own truth Um, and uh and and then join them up together so the things that Happen in one person's uh, narrative um, happening off screen and in another person's narrative, and sometimes it doesn't really affect them. Sometimes it really affects them, mm. but they don't comment about it because they don't know it's happening. Yeah. Know? So I wanted that to be. I love that. Um, part of it, but you know, it was really it. Was, it really came from um, Harry and Daisy. Like that was the, really the key of this of this novel, and um, I knew there was there was there was trouble as soon as Daisy. Um, uh, 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 as soon as Harry met uh, Aunt Jane, the, the Jane Curtis, the novelist, and as soon as Daisy introduced her as her aunt, I knew there was going to be trouble. Um, <laughs> and I think the reader knows there's going to be trouble. And then so Jane's voice was unstoppable. Um, so when I'd finished reading, writing Daisy, I knew that Jane had so much to say on her part. And I thought it would be wonderful to be able to set it 15 or so years later. Um, So we can get this uh, perspective on it. And so Jane has kind of the last word and she almost acts as a Prospero over the top of everything. Um, As she's the, as she's the final voice, because she's 1983, you know, she kind of puts a bit of doubt into the whole process. She's like a, like um, I put salt, pepper and doubt. And, uh, and Jane was the doubt into the, who's telling the story? Why is the story being told? Um, How, how much can we trust all this stuff? And she's a novelist and, you know, Uh, I've met a couple, and you know, they like to make up things.
0: I love that. I'm just actually sitting here going, "How aligned are you to Jane? Is is it?"
1: Oh, absolutely, nothing to do with (laughs) (laughs)
0: lies, lies John tells himself. (laughs) (laughs) It must have given more power to each character too, because I imagine dipping in and out of each character. could dilute the voices rather than just going, I'm just going to write this character, this character, then you're getting right into that head. Did that is that what you reckon happened?
1: Yeah, it made it so much easier to keep. You know, it's like with, with actors, they wander around, you know, offset off in in the character's role. Mm-hmm. and That kind of allowed me to keep that character with mm-hmm. me throughout. And so when I was, when I dipped in later on and did editing, moved things around and when the publisher got involved, um, you know, I knew these people really well. So I was able to, to, maneuver. If I hadn't done it that way, I, I don't think it would be uh, I don't think their voices would be as clear and their characters as well defined. Um, do we
0: call that method writing?
1: Yes, <laughs> let's, let's go for it. Like, let's do it. I wasn't You've... I wasn't sitting around in bikinis by pools, um which is a uh, shame. I, yeah, it's a shame, you
0: know. <laughs> Drinking martinis. Yeah. I'm thoroughly disappointed. John. <laughs> Now you've mentioned big love before okay I'm sure all of us have had crushes and been in love and small loves and medium loves and heartbreak all that kind of stuff which happens continually you know more as you age what's the difference between big love John you keep telling me about big love I want to know what is your definition of big love?
1: Well it's, it's, it's overwhelming you would make uh, you, you you do anything at all um, to make sure that it um, it continues. Like it, it's it's something that once you're in, once you're in a big love, and you're a partnership in that big love, um, you, you pretty much will bend time to try and um, keep it keep it going. Um, when my wife um, decided she wanted to go back to England to live where she was born, and I didn't even think twice. It was like off we go. You know, it's, you know, when you're when you're in big love, you just go, "Yep, I'll just dump this. I'll 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 get rid of my job. I'll I'll, I'll take this massive risk and go with you." You know, that's that's just the way it is. And I, I think that's I think when you're in a relationship like that, that's how you do it. You, I mean, we, we we were locked down for two years, and most of the time we were twenty-four-seven with each other, and we never had a problem. <laughs> it was wonderful. It was a, a wonderful time i wouldn't want to be in uh, in in lockdown dale with anyone else wow um, yeah and that's how it's been since we met so um that kind of thing that kind of love where it just makes makes um everything else seem a bit small
0: mm, i love that and it's a good lockdown story john because there are plenty of lockdown stories that aren't as good as that but i like how you get all your angst out in your writing do you reckon that works do you reckon that's a
1: thing out. <laughs> get it out there
0: yeah get it out there then you're just like you know Great in life. That's a great tip. I love it. I love it so much. Now, social media, I, I as promised on Instagram, um, according to the paper, John, you're an expert on women and sex. And oh, I yeah, commented on Instagram, well, I'll make sure I'm going to ask you a question since you're an expert in these areas. So please tell me how you became an expert in these areas and what you're going to dazzle me with your expertise.
1: Oh, dazzle. I'm absolutely dazzled. There's no doubt about it. I became an expert because... <laughs> I, I wrote a book under uh, a, a woman's name. That's that's where, and it was a it was, it was a um, an erotic novel. So um, immediately I got I got um, you know diplomas sent to me and you know honors from Oxford. You know give me awards for being a, a, such an amazing man who knows how to be a woman. Yeah, it was just it's just it's just I think it's just I think it's just lazy. Journalism. I think it, it makes it much easier for, for people to, to deal oh, with Oh, you're with too
0: it. modest, John. You're too <laughs> modest.
1: I know nothing. I, I was on, I, when, when when it came out that I, I had written these these successful books written by, well, published under the name of Natasha Walker, they put me on Sunrise mm-hmm. and and Koshy was all like, how do I have sex with women kind of questions. And, <laughs> yeah, I know. And I... I publicly said on, on on the record on public TV that I've never had sex before. Like it was all, all like Tolkien. Tolkien you knew no hobbits. I, he could make that shit up. I can make sex up. Oh my god! Never That's had it. So funny. Still that haven't is, had it.
0: I just choked on my computer. Oh my god!
1: Podcast down. Podcaster down. <laughs>
0: That is so funny. So, what, did you get any? Because I know there's a bit of um, talk about own voices, right? Have you copped any criticism from from a female perspective or writing under a pseudonym of Natasha? Or you
1: avoided no, no that? not. Right. I thought. I thought. Yeah. When 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 the um, the pitch came through to write for the um, uh, the bit, the bit I did the other day in Harold's son, I think it was, or the son Harold, one of the two um, about about writing with women, I I felt that there was a bit of a trick to it, you know, that I was going to be entering into this, this, Secret this battle, club. This, this culture war battle or whatever. It <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, writers have been writing about the opposite sex since being beginning of time. It just it hasn't even occurred to anyone.
0: Because yeah. um, it's not, about a human experience, right? I mean, we all have our own experiences depending on who we are, et cetera, and sometimes gender can come into that, sometimes not. But it's yeah. a lot about human experience right and sex is a human experience
1: yeah and and living with someone else and trying to work out what the hell's going on in their head um, as a gender or anything um, is always going to be tough and difficult but also interesting and worth the challenge you know mm. so um doing that and going down that path as a writer um is always going to be any any woman who writes men will, be, will say the same thing it's
0: yeah.
1: you know um it's a challenge uh, that you, you rise to because it, it's interesting. It, it's something that you want to try, um, but it is difficult. I mean, you get it wrong. I get, you get it so wrong. You know? But the other thing is, as Jane Jane in the book says, um, she isn't writing about all women. She's writing about the characters. She's yes, writing about.
0: exactly. exactly.
1: That's my defence. The characters' know, with, experience. With, yeah. Um, mm. And when I when I was writing Emma, in the first three books, Secret Lives of Emma. Um, When I first started to write erotic stuff for uh, a friend who wanted to read it, I was trying to write for everyone, like for all women Mm -hmm. and just ridiculous, hopeless. Until I chose to write from Emma's perspective and I got an idea of who Emma was, it wasn't even erotic. It was just stupid. And So once it became Emma's fantasy and Emma's sexual life, it became not only easier for me, but it also became better for the reader. And so that's how that kind of started. Mm. Um, and then I, I just sort of, when, when the Fifty Shades book exploded, my agent at the time had, had already rejected the Emma stories, but then suddenly went, uh-oh, I've got gold in my hands, ran off, and within a couple of weeks I was being published by Random House. Wow. So, yeah. And so these these stories had to be knocked into shape. As yeah. Well, there's a
0: market for it. You can't deny yeah. that.
1: Yeah. So that, that happened all over, you know, within... A couple of months I was an unpublished, unpublishable author and suddenly um, there I was um, published but under a pseudonym and I couldn't tell anyone.
0: So he, now you telling everyone. Now here's a question for you. So the publisher at first is like, no, this is unpublishable, then Fifty Shades knocked the world over with, you know, whatever that was. So there was a market for it but people didn't know there was a market for it. So what does this say about women and sex? Women don't want to talk about it or people don't want to talk about it. Why are people so awkward about sex?
1: I don't know, and it's gotten worse. Um, I mean, the sex in Girl on the Page um, was, you know, I, I assume, I mean, I, I was kind of naive about it because I, I read a lot of books and I just hadn't taken note of just how little sex there was. Mm. There's a lot of sex referred implied, to not yes. implied, not yeah. implied. And so when Girl on the Page came out, I, I was more explicit, um, especially because I was going down the path in my mind that Amy was the commercial aspect, the commercial novel part of my book, while Helen and and, and um, Malcolm were my um, literary side of the novel. So in my commercial side, she's brash, she's beautiful, she's going to be having lots of sex, she's going to be rich, you know, all these things that are in commercial novels uh, and taking as, as kind of tropes. Um, and then the other side was was Helen. So I just wrote her as I thought, you know, she wouldn't be written, but I just didn't realise that there wasn't as much in most commercial novels because I don't, generally don't read that much in that area. So uh, I got that wrong. Um, because a lot of I people don't came- think
0: you got it wrong, just quietly.
1: Because <laughs> a, a lot of people came back saying, too much sex. Um, and, you know, when we did the B format, I actually spoke to my publisher at HarperCollins and said, can we pull out some of this sex? Because I'd, I'd rather them talk about other things than mm. sex. Mm. When we actually looked at it and it was my publisher and my editor both went through it and I went through it, trying to pull out this enormous amount of sex. And it wasn't. But that was her
0: character. That was, that was who she was. And
1: Yeah, but there's but only, only snippets. Like it was yeah. only like a paragraph long. Yeah, it was yeah like that's eight right. Pages it wasn't
0: in. a chapter, unfortunately. No.
1: Yeah. But the
0: thing is like as well i just feel like this topic is is still taboo and we're in 2022 and i feel like particularly for women women have been really repressed in this area because women are meant to take care of children and sex has always been for the man and i feel like we need to go a bit beyond that right we need to push through that and go well you know it's a it's a human experience it's a it's a human pleasurable experience and I don't I'm just trying to get the awkwardness out of it I'm not gonna be able to do this alone John (laughs) but I thought it was a good opportunity to say it's it things haven't changed as much as we think we think we're liberated we think we're free we think we're not repressed but we kind of still are particularly as women
1: yeah I think I think the um the moment that was 50 shades which is about 18 months I think of 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 being able to read, read porn on the bus yeah um it was a big reaction and I think, I think we went way back even further than we were before yeah. Fifty Shades. In, in but there's our still subject.
0: taboo to it. You know, people still say, oh, have you
1: read Fifty Shades of Grey? You know, yeah, like yeah. it's still
0: this dirty little secret.
1: Yeah. Well, I, when, the reason I write people like Jane Curtis in Lessons and her sexual life is um, is an independent one. Like it, it's she's not bound by society and by, by gender roles and rules and all that sort of stuff. She... I mean, she is, she's in, in her time, but she's very much um, a free spirit or wants to be um, a free spirit. There's, there's always consequences to that. Um, I write those women because I want to see more of those women. <laughs> that's, that's the reason I write Amy and I write, I write. Emma. I know these people. Uh, they exist, um, but they're not, in the, not in, in the mainstream as much. And if they are, they're always a bad person. Yeah, you're always and, the villain, uh, exactly. Yeah and that's
0: yeah. what sex is sex is it's it's it then aligned to being villainous.
1: Yeah. That's why I wanted I wanted Daisy to kind of have the realization not only though that, that that she was in love with Harry, but holy hell, when they got together and had sex, it was unbelievable. You know, that and, and that you can that's have that's big love, be, John.
0: That's big love.
1: Yeah. And you can meet people and fall in love and marry them and have Terrible sex lives, and it's terrible, you know. So there's, there's, she needs to, she just needs to experience that to understand how lucky she was to begin with. You know, she she met this guy, fell in love, it was all right. Someone came in and, and messed with it, just like in persuasion. And um, and then later on, she discovers, she grows up that life is full of um, almosts and maybes and the rest of it. And there are very few holy hell, I'm in love kind of moments. And you should grab them when they come.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's the almost that kind of break you, isn't it? It's the almost. Yeah, it's the almost.
1: Yeah. Or, you know, oh. Three years to an almost or a five-year relationship to an almost. Come on. was <laughs> no, my best five years.
0: You. I love this so much. I'm just so on the same page as you and Amy still stays with me. I don't know how many years ago I read that book. How, when did you write it? Two, three 20, years 2018, ago?
1: 2018, I think. 2018. Yeah.
0: 20 before COVID, Um, Amy still stays with me. And that's exactly the reason why, John, because we need more of those characters who are female, who are flawed, who are sexual, who are owning their life and, you know, aren't these perfect women and aren't necessarily perfect mothers or whatever. We just need more of these women in in literature. So in life, (laughs) you know, people aren't ashamed or oppressed to be who they are. So, you know, thank you for writing, Amy, and your other female characters. Thanks. <laughs> now having made the move we talked a little bit about the move from a start of the uk for your big love which i just adore so much it gives everybody hope john <laughs> for their own big love <laughs> but has the move impacted your writing like you said you just went "Oh, stuff the world covid's here whatever i'm just gonna write and look out the window but has it impacted or informed your writing at all
1: um it, it probably moved me away initially from contemporary writing like i, I didn't want to touch it um I mean, contemporary is always fraught because it's always changing, and so what? It, and publishing is so slow. So, like people like Ali Smith who are writing um, contemporary novels that are really on the edge. Like her last book, *Summer*, dealt with COVID, even though it was published like two minutes after COVID right. So mm. that kind of cutting edge, that doesn't happen for most published most published authors. It's no. eighteen months drag, right? And so, if you're tackling contemporary issues, they can be so out of date by the time your book actually yeah. reaches the public.
0: No longer cutting um, edge. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, publishing just is too slow to be cutting edge on that in that level if you're not, you know, not Ali Smith. Um, you're
0: not, or you're not writing Amy.
1: Yeah, you're not writing Amy. So these kind of um, things in COVID, I was like, I'm not touching that. There's just too much going on, too much change. And so I kind of retreated to safer ground um, in, in the past. Uh, but since then I've written two books and those two are um, kind of set in this this current moment without mentioning it. So mm-hmm. um, it's it, but I haven't yet mentioned it. And I kind of held back. I made it so I could if I wanted to, yep. um, but I haven't. And I think I think the tone of them suggests that it's happened. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, the that's there's a little bit of that. Like um, uh, people making big changes, mm-hmm. you know, in. The, um, deciding that they're not happy with where they've been with their career. like Lots of the things have, have, have forced people to look at what they've done um, with their lives and, you know, yeah. people not going back to the workforce in a certain age group, um, especially in the UK, uh, over there, there's all these workers who just haven't gone back. Yeah. Um, so they've made a massive change in this time. They've probably got 10 years left to return mm. to the workforce and whatever circumstances they've got, they've decided not to, whether they're married or... I don't know, um, but they've made that decision. Um, and you've heard of, you know, there's probably lots and lots of people who have divorced in this period. Um, tons of things, lots of babies being been born. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, tons of big decisions have been made um, because it gave us all a shock and yeah. said life is not sure and it's really uncertain Yeah. Um, and we need to make these decisions now or we may never have the chance.
0: Yeah. And it put the spotlight on things too. You know, if there was something that wasn't quite right in your life, it really Put the spotlight on it, and, and it kind of, it kind of said to you, "What are you going to do about it?"
1: Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. Um, so both my both my short novels that I wrote after writing lessons deal with these big life changes. Yeah. Um, and I think that's definitely an, a, a reaction to what's going on right now. Mm. I wouldn't probably wouldn't have gone down that path if it hadn't been for these last few years.
0: Mm, that's amazing we've had just such an amazing chat John I just love traversing all these ways it's been fantastic so my my final question which I ask all my guests who come on John is why do you write
1: I have no choice I, mm-hmm. I, I've been writing when, when I was at school I wrote notes um, to people that I, even if I didn't really know them in class just to keep myself entertained um they they turned into diaries later on uh, travel diaries and stuff like that and and then those turned into stories so when I when I wasn't doing anything I would write stories when I was actually doing stuff I'd write letters or uh, diaries Um, and those those periods where I was working in bookshops and like just reading um I was always mimicking the books that I was I was reading um reading and writing to me are almost the same thing there's a I kind of feel like the more I pour into my brain from reading, it starts to spill over and doesn't fit in anymore. And that's when I start to write to to make more space for more reading. It's kind of a, a kind of a, a yeah. fill up an empty process. Like um you know, to keep myself going. But I really there would be no choice in the matter. Writing's gonna happen, whatever
0: happens. Mm, I love that. And I love the idea. You're right, they both go together because you certainly can't be a writer if you're not going to read.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the yeah. you know, when anyone ever asks me and, and you see it on on in so many people when they talk about writing the first thing and i think it's like almost the backbeat to um stephen king's book read 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 if you're not reading you're not a writer you cannot do it you have to be reading reading reading
0: yeah because like when you said you talked about um you know with your research you just wanted it to authentically be on the page that's what you need to be as a writer you can't just have read the how to write book by stephen king which is amazing and then think you're a writer because all these things download in your head As a reader, which you then then use later, and then sometimes you're writing. I didn't even know I knew how to do that, but you've written so you read so many books that it's in your brain somewhere. You just need to access it when the time comes.
1: Yeah, and books are a wonderful way to um, to give definition to life. So you're reading a book, like when I read Vanity Fair, I suddenly I suddenly was Thackeray for a while. In the the time it took me to read that, that book, I was aimed in at everyone. You know, I was zeroing in on these people with the view of Thackeray and looking at the foibles and and the... The, the wonderfulness and all these different things that are there, because he gave me these new lenses. Yeah,
0: and isn't that amazing? When a book does that to you, the same. Yeah. We're talking about Big Love, Love in the Time of Cholera. For me, did that. I just couldn't get yeah. out of my head. I couldn't stop seeing from the character's perspective. And that is, if any books about Big Love, that is about Big that's Love. That's
1: the Big, big Love. Yeah.
0: yeah, and that's still. Yeah. I read that years ago, and that's still like I still feel that book, you know, inside you. So they're really special uh,
1: books. Books which deal with unrequited love kill me. I, I'm, I'm drawn to them.
0: I love that. I love that so much. John, it's always a pleasure talking to you. I love how literary you are and then how you write these amazing characters and you've, you know, your career in writing has gone from erotic fiction to these, you know, I don't know what you call them, literary commercial novels. I don't know. Is that even a genre?
1: Let's make one. All
0: right. We've made up a lot of things today. Also method <laughs> writing. <laughs> It's always a pleasure to see you. Welcome back to Australia and um, thank you so much for the chat today. It's been amazing.
1: Thank you very much for having me. It's wonderful.